because I went through really hard times um, with uh, alcohol and drug addiction. And uh, I want to do whatever I can to help people, you know, avoid those pitfalls. And it, people who are suffering, what I said before, never give up. Hi, welcome to the Winners Find A Way show. I am your host, Trent Clark, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, international speaker. But most people know me because I spent over 12 years in professional baseball with the Detroit Tigers, Cleveland Indians, and Los Angeles Angels, appearing in three World Series as a coach before I was the age of 33. Our Winners Find A Way show is all about how the 1% have found a way to overcome those challenges when faced with losses and losing winners find a way i love the quote from the four disciplines of execution book written by christmas chesney and sean covey the quote goes winners when shown data that they are losing find a way to win won't you join us and discover for yourself how you can win too hi welcome to episode number one of the winners find a way show it's never too late with Scott Spezio. Scott is a great friend of mine, a two-time World Series champion as a Major League Baseball player. Both he and his father both won World Championships for the St. Louis Cardinals. Scott is just a fabulous guest today, and you are going to love it. You are going to hear about how he'd come back from a step back. We're going to talk about the mental and physical preparation and conditioning and his never-give-up mentality, how he learned to set goals, and then how faith in his life have kept him in the right direction and how he battled back from alcohol and drugs by putting on the armor of God. Hi, this is Trent Clark, and welcome to Winners Find a Way. I got my Tigers hat today because I'm sporting it, excited about uh, our guest today, Scott Spezio. Scott, say hello. Hey, what's up? Oh, hey, man. Man. I, love, I love the backdrop, man. Like, uh, like right? you do, right, you're right in the front. Hey, well, you know, and I got my line eye gear on because they're coming tip off here, uh, you know, 12-15 today. Yeah. So I'm rooting them on. That's right. A proud, a proud alumni right there of, yeah. of the Illini and former player for them. We're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, definitely going to talk about, um, you know, what I would ask the audience today is this, you know, have you ever faced adversity, you know, felt like the losses were mounting, you need to find a better way. I think you've come to the right place to talk about that. We talk deeply about overcoming challenges with 1% people, like people that have absolutely reached the pinnacle of their profession, of, of their drive and desire and their goals. And it's exciting to, to speak with business leaders, sports leaders, athletes, uh, musicians, artists. It's, it's, it's just great to have a different uh, scope of things. But today I welcome, of course, my, my good friend, Scott Spezio. And, but here's a few highlights, Scott, that I just jotted down about you, right? Like, and there are like, this is like a laundry list of stuff I could do. But uh, when I think about that, you know, Illinois kid, small town, Illinois kid, and you become a Big Ten superstar, you hit 48 home runs in just three years at the University of Illinois, representing your colors there. And by the way, I'm representing Illini colors today too, even though I was going for Tigers, by the way, but you know, uh, I am representing the Illini because my Spartans lost last night. Um, so the A's brought up. Then this is an interesting fact about you and I, like 
our paths crossed like in a weird way through our lives, right? Because we didn't know each other, but I was there coaching the day in Cleveland when you were brought up with the A's on your first day in the major league. So that was, that was a really cool story that you share. And we're going to talk about that. Um, a free agent contract with the Angels where I was already at. So he became, uh, we became friends coaching uh, Scott and what a, what a pleasure as a coach to have a guy who comes in and just does his job and works at it. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, big part and a huge part of leading us to the first ever Angels World Championship. Hit probably the most memorable home run of all Angels history in 02. And you became, for me, Captain Clutch, right? Because you were so good. Like, and, and John Wooden talks about being your best when your best is needed. And we're going to talk about that because you hit 327 in the playoffs that year, 18 for 57, set the record, tied the record with uh, another guy I coached, Sandy Alomar Jr., uh, with 19 RBIs in a playoff, which is just Unreal. David Ortiz later tied that. So let's uh, let's get into it, Scott. Let's talk a little bit. Well, first of all, say hello to everybody. And, and by the way, tell everybody where they can find you. Like, where can we find Scott Spies? If I want to reach out to you, are you on Facebook? Are you on, where are you on that we can find maybe things about you? Well, first of all, thanks for having me, man. And, and yeah, we, we go way back and it's just been such a pleasure for me to get back in, in touch with you over the last two years. And uh, you guys really helped me grow spiritually and uh, as a person. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, I think what you're doing here is great. Yeah, I love the title of the show because I hate to lose. And yeah, right, right. Me too. <laughs> I, and I definitely want to find a, a way, whatever it takes to win. But as far as uh, uh, you could, I, I have a Facebook page called Scott Spezio. Uh, it's never too late. That'll ha- I have uh, a Twitter account. It's at Scott underscore Spezio. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and then uh, Instagram at Spezio S um, is the places you can get get me. Yeah. Yeah. So no no one needs to. Hey, like you can find Scott Spezio out there, the legendary 2002 and 2006 hero. So that's that's a cool for for all of us who grow up and we do have those heroes. Right. Tell me, Scott, real quick, like. You know, and you talk about that. Hey, it's winners find a way. Like, why Why do you want to come on the show and talk a little bit about your tra- – I mean, you know, a lot of people say, hey, man, I want to do some hard stuff. I don't really want to talk about it, right? So why would you choose, like, hey, I've got a message, and let's talk about why you'd come on and, and you'd share that with this show. Well, I mean, there's two reasons. One one is I love I love baseball and I love sports. Um, uh, but probably, probably the biggest one is because I went through some, you know, some – really hard times, um, with, uh, alcohol and drug addiction. And, uh, I, I want to do whatever I can to tell people, um, you know, avoid those pitfalls and, and people who suffering, what I said before, never give up, you know, um, uh, there's just, uh, it's incredible. It's a very hard to do when you're in the midst of it. And I'm sure we'll probably get into that more, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something that a lot of people think that they, they don't have a chance um, you know, and they just kind of, you know, isolate themselves and, and, uh, and just kind of give up. And, and it's, you know, it's starting with just moving one stick, just doing one thing, you know, digging yourself out of that hole. I love that. Okay. So, uh, I want to kind of dive back into the kid because what, yeah. what many people don't know about you is that you are the son of a big time major leaguer, right? Yeah. And that you both 
uh, won a couple world championships, the only father-son to do it, and that you both won a World Series wearing the same number of 26 for the St. Louis Cardinals, right? So, first of all, why don't you show the bling? We got a little matching bling, you know, Scotty and I, right? Yeah, like, check it out. The bling. So, let, let's take it back to you being that kid, right? Like, let's talk about the most impactful pivot point you had as a kid when you knew you were destined for, you know, the major leagues, like, Hey, this is what I really want to do. And maybe you got a, a glimpse that you could do it. Yeah. Well, you know, I always wanted to be a major leaguer. I remember um, in grade school, you know, my, my teachers give me those aptitude tests and uh, you know, they, they come back a uh, fireman or doctor or whatever. And I'd always be so disappointed that they were, they didn't say base major league baseball player. You know, I couldn't, I'm like, these tests are stupid. You know, <laughs> They don't work. Yeah. Um, but as far as like a turning point, you know, I, I, I had a major league dad as a coach, you know, he, he stopped playing and I'm actually in his furniture store right now. <laughs> he stopped awesome. playing when he was 30 years old and, uh, and, and 1972, the year I was born and uh, started this furniture store. So uh, I got a, a great teacher, you know, um, not many kids have that opportunity. So, I'd always wanted to be, and I'd been around his, his, uh, you know, his teammates and stuff like that, his ex-teammates. Um, but probably the, the biggest point as far as where I knew that I really had some talent was uh, I got brought up as a freshman um, for a couple games on my high school team. And then my sophomore year, uh, me and my friend both got brought up as sophomores to, to start every day. And there was this kid from Geneva that that came in and you know we're, we weren't used to seeing a ton of scouts and they they the radar guns were just packed behind the screen i think you have a similar story to this too yeah but uh yeah they were just packed behind and uh i got up the first time and i was a little nervous and and i i ripped a line drive uh to right field next time up i hit a, a missile line drive right back and he ducked and it hit him in the in the lower back and he went down hard and I went to first the ball ricocheted off him and went all the way to the dugout that's mm. that's how hard it hit off him yeah. and they ended up Ouch. bringing an ambulance yeah they brought an ambulance out to the mound and uh had to had to get him off the field and uh I I saw that that some of the the scouts put away their radar guns right away, but they stick around and and watch me play. So from that yeah. day on, I knew that I had something. That's that's pretty cool. Like what a story, right? Yeah, how how that changed very quickly. So let's talk about. I love this quote from uh, a book called The Four Disciplines of Execution. And it was written by a guy named McChesney and, and Sean Covey, which happens to be the president of the Stephen Covey, you know, famous story of how to win friends and our art. No, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, the seven habits of highly successful people and the Covey great stuff. The book is fabulous, but the quote says, you know, winners when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. Right. And man, you know, you and I, we've been there a lot, right? Like, you know what, as a matter of fact, yeah, there was a, there was a time here that I remember we were losing once upon a time. And, you know, it was pretty evident that we were losing because uh, the scoreboard said five to nothing, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah, as I was thinking about that, um, I was thinking like, man, how rough this is going to be, right? Um, to be 
to be in the middle of the game. I think it was late in the game. I think it's the seventh inning. Let me just see if I can ever remember being a part of, man. So, like, I kind of feel like it's just awesome that, you know, was there for it, right? Like, uh, yeah. just being just being a part of that moment was so special. Um, yeah. You know, when I look back, I look back at that and man, this is, this is the epitome of, you know, winners find a way, right? Like, yeah. like all the KPIs, Hey, the data says we're losing, like it's five to nothing. It's the bottom of the seventh. And the yeah. starting pitcher who you did not hit that off was already given the ball as like, Hey, keep that as a memento. Cause yeah. you're, this is game six. And now you're the world series winning pitcher. Right. And a little bit of a mistake for me by their, by their manager, but uh, let, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, what do you think about that when you think about winners find a way? Well, I mean, that whole 2002 season with the Angels, that was, you know, we had the rally monkey. We, we were, <laughs> you know, if we were down in the seventh and they put that thing up, we knew we were winning. Um, yeah. But we just had that mentality. Even on the road, we knew that it didn't matter how much we were down, that this team was going to give everything it had. Uh to win. And I knew we knew that if we got the lead that our bullpen was going to shut it down because they had the same mentality. And, uh, you know, each guy had that same determination from Ursted to Eckstein to Salmon to Anderson to Troy Gloss, you know, Benji Molina. We just had uh, just an amazing team top to bottom. Nobody gave us a shot. You know, we were facing the Yankees first game, you know, first series. None of us, not one player had been in the playoffs. <laughs> ever and uh, <laughs> on the whole team and here we go we're going in the Yankees facing the all-star team yeah you know, even the guys on the bench w- would have been starters in any other team and uh you know we ended up you know we lost game one but um you know we we just fought back and and we won the next three and you know that same determination just lasted the whole year and carried on and each one of us as individuals grew from that experience as a team, you know, and that, that game six uh, home run there, you know, I was down Oh two, I think right away. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I, I kept fouling off pitches. He was throwing 96, 97, 96 uh, high and away. And I kept fouling them off. Um, but I, I just knew that if I could, if I could give us a spark of any kind that this team would take off. And so my whole mentality was, just try to drive the ball in the gap, you know, don't try yeah. to do too much. I wasn't thinking home run. I, I was basically trying to get something going, get a run on the board. And, uh, you know, finally on, on the eighth pitch, three, two, he threw it down and in, and I got just enough of it to get it out. And, you know, I was praying on the way to first base, Lord, please push this one out. Yeah, I was talking to Gene Autry too. Yeah, he's a yeah. 26 guy. I'm like, come on, Gene. Yeah, 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 the reference to the legendary Angels owner and, and cowboy actor, right? Like Gene yep. Autry, who was a longtime Angel owner. So, yeah, I think that for me, uh, Scott, it was uh, it was just such a mentality, a, a lesson in mentality. And I know for myself and like uh, a good friend of our coach, seven Kevin Santiago, like. And we like to show that at bat to young players. Like this is what battling looks like. Like, and it, and there's nothing wrong with following a ball with two strikes into the dugout. Right? Like, like, oh. like you got to live another day. Right. Like, and, yep. and what that means, cause not every pitch is going 
40 rows deep in center field. Like you're kidding. Exactly. Like that, that's not the way the game's played. So yeah. And I think, uh, boy, I mean, what a spark that was for the team in the moment, like to get us back. We ended up of course coming back and winning that magical game. And then of course we were down again in game seven and yeah. came back. And so it was, um, you're right. There was a really special part of that team and um, about that winners find a way. And I, I think one of the things that's really special about that team I like to talk about when I speak publicly is that we had so many contributions from so many different players. You know, when you talk about winning teams finding a way, you know, it can come from anywhere from a great pitching performance of someone comes in who just gets, you know, in the heart of their lineup who just stops like and gets five of six strikeouts and we're, we're off the field really quick and back to offense putting pressure back on them and those little things that made such a difference and sacrifice bunts and great defensive plays. And there's, there's so many ways to contribute to a team, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the game today is, is changed a lot. And I I don't like that at all because you, you don't see those sacrifice bunts. You don't see guys getting over. And I remember Joe Madden talking to us, you know, and he'd be like, listen, and social, they say, listen, you know, don't worry about how many RBIs you have or how many home runs you have or what your what your average is going to be. If you do the little things, I guarantee all of you will do better. And it, it was the truth. We had, you know, five guys with uh, over 20 home runs and 100 RBIs. You know, a lot of guys in the between the 50 and, and 80 yes. RBI. And so we just it just bred, you know, being a team player, our individual numbers were better. And then the outcome was better. And there's there's no individual moment, including this game six uh, home run, that compares to a team moment. You know, so to be a team player is is uh, is really the key. And I loved it. I think that says something about you, Scott. Right? When we talk about this, like you don't have the picture in the back of you hitting the home run. You have the picture of the back of the team celebrating the last out, right? Like, like that was the deal. This is when all the work, I, I love two quotes by Belichick that we're talking about. Like, as you mentioned, legendary Joe Madden, right? And he's a great coach. And uh, Belichick said, one, is that he's like, I, I know we have a good team when everybody on the team knows his job and is doing it. <laughs> right? right like like well i want to hit home runs like scott does well that, that's not my job like i'm trying like be quick get on base like that's not your job to hit home runs like know your role and do it really well because that's how you contribute inside that organization and then of course um you talk about all the sacrifices as a team and and when we talk about these teams especially i like to share with people like how many cultures came together races like backgrounds experience how we were raised as kids all have to come together for this common good and we share in those different lenses and those values from what we've been through to get there to make us better and then in the end man another one another belichick i heard on the interview like it's earned it's never given right like you got to put in the time And, and i think Let's talk about this because I think it's one of your superpowers, but let's hear what you've got to say. The superpower that separates you from others and catapults you to the 1%. Like everyone wants to play in the major leagues, right? And you know how hard it is to get there, which is staggering, right? The stats. But but we both know how hard it is to stay there, right? Right. Which is 
the really staggering stat that no one really ever talks about, right? Absolutely. So talk about, because you had that long tenured career, talk about what that superpower to you that separated it out. Well, it's funny you bring that up. It's easy to get there. It's hard to stay because that's the one thing when I go to the old timers games with my dad and sit with Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and, and guys like that, they'd always say, work hard when you get there because it's hard to stay. You got all these people from all these countries wanting to take your job, you know? Yes. And so, yes. you know, my dad instilled that in me early. And as far as, um, you know, I'd say the two things that separate me was, was my work ethic and preparation both yep. physically and mentally, which mm. led to, which led to mental toughness. Um, you know, we, we'd practice every day in my backyard. I had two pitching moms. My dad would throw to me. I had drills in the basement. I'd take, uh, you know, railroad ties and put them in my trunk when I got older and go to the sand pits and run the sand hills. Um, and then at night I had mental, uh, subliminal mental tapes and positive affirmations playing before I went to bed, which helped me visual, you know, it put me in this visual state where I would visualize myself having success, um, mm. you know, at my level and even beyond. And I continued to do that. Um, you know, as far as like being in the, in the world series, I felt like I had already been there a million times because my dad in the backyard yes. would finish every, every uh, session with, you know, it's, it's three, two, uh, count two outs, bottom of the ninth game, seven of the world series, yeah. you know, you're down one run bases loaded. What are you going to do? You know? Yeah. So I'd been in that situation so many times when I got to that situation, there was no pressure. I, I felt comfortable and I was able to try easier is, is the term I, I like to use. You know, a lot of people get revved up and, 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 you know, tr try too hard in that situation, my my whole goal was to slow the game down mm. um, and and really get into the mental state where I I didn't even hear the crowd. The crowd were going crazy. I didn't even hear them. The only time I heard the crowd was when the ball went over the fence and I pumped my fist. Yeah, that was yeah. the one time that I finally heard the crowd. Now, as soon as I got back <laughs> in the dugout, I had to settle myself down again. And after I gave high fives and everything, if you watched the whole game. I sit down, I close my eyes, and I start doing breathing techniques to slow myself down. Because mm, yes. um, I knew it was only 5-3, and then my next at-bat might be huge. Yes, for yeah. sure. They ended up intentionally walking me. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'd say that that would be the two things, just the mental and physical preparation. Because, you know, Yogi Berra, you know, his quotes, he always says, yeah, you know, crazy quotes, but he said, not you know, the game's 90% mental. The other 50% is physical. Well, <laughs> yeah. of course, his math's a little off, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know where he gets you know, his math. He was never good at math, Yogi. <laughs> right. But, you know, if that's true, then why is it that there's so many kids in, athlete, in athletics and even in, in business? You know, how many people, you know, can use this in business that don't prepare uh, mentally? You know, yes. my my routine, uh, you know, into minor leagues and especially once I got to the major leagues, it, was, it probably was an hour to two hours every day of mental visualization um, and replays to get myself better. And that's hard work, you know? Yeah. I, so two things I think that really come to my mind as you speak is, is I'm going to add something because you, you love the preparation and you were so good at it, right? Like you took, you took pride in that. And, uh, and I think that was really important, but I love wooden 
and he talks about uh, conditioning. He talks about physical conditioning, which you were also good at. You know, you and I worked a lot of that together. Wow. Mental conditioning also. You did a lot on your own. We did a lot of that together, pushing you to what you could be. But I think you were also doing moral conditioning. You know, as a young man, you know, you were your parents were very faithful. You were very involved. Like uh, you were not estranged to any kind of spiritual conditioning and like moral, doing the right things, making good choices as a young man. Like, uh, and I and I can recall like being in baseball chapel together. Coming back to that, and you, you know, I think you told me uh, once upon a time, like, hey, listen, you know, when the game's over, like we're on the road. Like the first thing I get back to the hotel room is like. I go to the book, man. Like, you know, like that's it. Right. Like, so I think there's some, so some moral conditioning, I think along the way that you were doing to round out that preparation, I thought was really important. Did you, do you see that the same or? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and that goes in, I mean, that's, that's very interesting because uh, that's, that's doing the right thing in, in reading is, is what kept me, focused. So, you know, I had a great role model in my parents and and my father, you know, um, you know, very, uh, Christian based, um, you know, just, we'd always have to go to church. I always say I I was, I was drugged as a kid, drugged to church, you know, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I, I always was a believer. Um, I always had faith. I, I got stronger as I got in at, to the university of Illinois through, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yes. Um, and then Baseball Chapel is, you know, I went through the minor leagues. And uh, I had a really good chaplain in Donnie Moore um, in, uh, in Oakland. And then when I got to, to the Angels with Chuck Obrimsky, you know, we had such a great group of guys, you know, actually yes. Garrett Anderson, Tim Salmon, uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on of, of believe, you know, Benjamin Molina. Um, we had a big group of guys and that just gave me this incredible base of support. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I, I wasn't a big, it's crazy because I wasn't a big drinker. I wouldn't even take aspirin, you know, yeah. uh, you know, if, if the, if I had the little soreness, they'd tell me to take, you know, uh, some kind of anti-inflammatory. I didn't want to take it. So when I get back to the hotels, um, yeah, I, I grabbed, I started just grabbing the Bible out of the, you know, the nightstand. And then I started bringing my own and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I didn't know it at the time, but that was, I was putting on the armor of God at that time, you know? Yeah. And I, I really didn't even realize it, but it was just my way. Instead of going to the bars and hanging out with the guys, I would do that, you know, and then play my guitar a little bit, you know? And, uh, and as I, after the world series and, and, I started getting all the grab from every direction. Um, I started getting away from that, you know, and I, and I wasn't doing as much in 2003 and then 2004, I got hurt. And I don't know if you want me to go into that, but. Uh, yeah, I think, I think this is a good time to like, let's talk about another time you're down, right? Like, uh, yeah. um, you know, you, you're injured and we, we talk a lot about that because injury is really hard for athletes because you've been doing something since you were, you know, eight years old, right. And doing it well. And then all of a sudden you're at that time, you're probably late twenties, you know, and maybe even 30. And you're talking about 20 plus years of a pretty rigorous schedule of, of this. And, and, and probably part of that reason that we succeed is that 
um, when you're healthy and you get all the reps, like you got a chance and an opportunity to get seen, like you did that day in that freshman field, right? Like if you're not in the game, like, I don't know who you are, right? Like, but you got a chance, maximize that. Well, when you hurt, you will know that you have no chances right now. And so, you know, you go down and all of a sudden there's some, there's some identity loss. There's a confidence game there. There's all sorts of things that's happening. So why don't you speak to that when those losses are kind of mounting for you in that way when you're hurt? Yeah. So I, you know, I was really fortunate. I never had um, any injuries. You know, I, I had a little meniscus tear, kept me out four or five weeks uh, my second year with Oakland, but I came back and finished the season and, um, so when I got to, I, I didn't really want to leave Anaheim because I had such a great base there and I love the fans and, you know, love the stadium and, and, and the organization. Uh, but, you know, they were, they were moving on and Seattle came to me with a three-year deal and it was my first, uh, you know, long-term deal. I pretty much played year to year every year. So um, I was really gung-ho to go in there and show them that, you know, they, uh, they made a wise move. And two, two weeks to go in spring training, I freak play coming into the mound from third base. I was trying to catch a pop-up, just hit my leg into the side of the mound and blew out my T6 and T7. And uh, I kept trying to play with it, and I, I just couldn't. So they were telling, you know, I went to a million docs. They were telling me I might not walk. Then, they're you know, they're saying, well, you're probably not going to play. If you do, you're going to have to wait till July and, and uh, you know, have have a major surgery with a 5% chance of paralyzation. And so I was, I all of a sudden got hit with this depression and, mm. uh, you know, I didn't have that support system yet. I hadn't been around these new guys that much. Right. Family was there every day in spring training. So I didn't, I didn't lean on anybody else. Um, you know, we had two young, two young boys at the time. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, I kind of spiraled, um, out of, con- out of control as far as mentally and, and, and my poisonous in my spiritual life, I was neglecting, you know, reading the word and, um, and attending church. And, and, um, so I just started making bad decision after bad decision, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, when I look back, I, I wish I would have done things different, but I, you know, I learned so much from it. And, you know, as I spiraled, I just, I just kept justifying uh, every bad decision. And I just kept going further and further apart. Mm. And when I finally looked back, um, it was, too, it was so, the gap was so big. I, I just was like, ah, you know, I'm going this way now. And, mm. uh, and finally, you know, I, I ended up, uh, you know, coming back on track through, through, you know, uh, surrounding myself with, with great people, um, you know, godly people, um, going back to church, you know, um, I don't, I don't know how far you want me to go into that. But well, let's talk, let's talk about like, I mean, the losses are real, right? Like you're, you're, yeah. you're down, but you know, you're down, but not out, but sometimes people get down and they feel like they're out. Like there's just yeah. no more hope anymore. Right. And I think that um, as we talked about like that, like I, you know, you and I were together when your two little boys and even your little girl was born. And, yeah. and um, you know, and I remember every day, you know, they're hanging around the batting cage with dad, you know, your oldest was now in that age, he's kind of swinging the wiffle ball bat around and stuff. And, and, you know, people would see here's a father, right. And now you, know, you fast forward, you know, eight or 10 years and, you know, 
you have a broken relationship with your former wife. You've got uh, estranged children. You're not making good choices. And, and you, like for people like what, what's, what's the, what's the one belief value or action that you'd recommend others on that journey when things get hard, like, and, and like, it's, it's not easy, right? Like, and if anybody thinks anything you're going to do with their, your goals, your big thing, it's going to get hard, like, right. But this is now facing stuff like real stuff, hard life and death stuff. Yeah. And what do you recommend? I mean, what do you recommend that, that, that we have to do, to to stop to just stop the losing and and begin to turn things around tell me a little bit about that well you just got to have that never give up mentality you know um Mm -hmm. i i remember when i was down and out and i had my kids and uh you know i I was you know I, i just seemed like i was failing as a father um you know, and I, I basically, you know, I started crying and I, you know, I, I asked my kids, I'm like, you know, I had all three of them around me. I'm like, would it just be better if I wasn't involved in your life? You know, would it be better if I just leave you guys alone? Yeah. And they which, all, which by the way, was a legitimate question. There was a lot right. of pain, right? That was a legit, you were being legitimate. Like I'm not, am I helping? Am I, I mean, cause I just feel like you, there's a lot of pain around, right? It, absolutely. I didn't know if I was, you know, if they were, just not, you know, hating to be around me and, um, you know, faking it. (laughs) Um, and I, so I just, you know, I said, would it be easier for you guys? And, you know, and, uh, and they all started crying and said, no, no, you know, we love you. And my, my, and I, I tear up, but, uh, you know, my oldest son said, it's never too late, dad, it's never too late. And, um, you know, it's just, it just hit me and it's like, you know what, It, it is never too late. And that was the the start of me starting to get back on track. And and like I said before, you know, it's easy to 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 get buried by all the, the weight of everything. You know, your addiction, your broken relationships, the guilt mm-hmm. of doing everything. Yeah. And and you know, first you have to stop <laughs> listening to naysayers. Get away from the people that are telling you that you're worthless. Uh, get away from you know, start reading the words so the devil is not throwing his fiery darts at you and mm-hmm. saying you're worthless. You're not worthy of, you know, yeah. uh, Jesus salvation, um, you know. And so I had to stop listening to that and sur- surrounding myself with better people, you know, reading the word um, and just go out and start moving sticks. You know, I live in the middle of the country and, I, and I've got a lot of woods. And so yeah. I basically literally went out and started moving sticks and getting them out of the yard so I can mow. And, and, uh, before you know it, it went from me barely getting off the couch, you know, when my kids weren't around to me being out in the yard and, and, you know, mowing and, uh, chainsawing and all sorts of things, making paths in my woods. Um, and, and eventually I got out of it. And, and as I started getting out, I got more and more confidence and, uh, and then my goal was to, you know, to put God first, to put my family a close, you know, a, a second, of yeah. course, and nobody takes precedent over God in, in my life anymore. Um, but family and, and true friends, I went, I went back to my roots, you know, I went, I'm in my hometown, I was isolating myself, I went back out and searched out my, my true friends, um, you know, people from grade school, from high sure. school. Sure. I hadn't talked to in, in years and uh, it was just amazing. 
um, how they, they didn't, it wasn't that they wanted to be around me because I was a, a baseball player, uh, you know, major league two time world series, whatever. Um, right. lead singer of sand frog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should was, talk about your band. Yeah. Right, no, we don't. Uh, but, uh, it was because, uh, th- you know, they truly cared about me right. and, um, you know, they really wanted me to be better. And, uh, you know, my, my parents, my sisters, my whole family, true friends, uh, um, uh, Tanya Boyer, um, who I'm in a relationship with now, uh, you know, a Christian relationship. Um, she was incredible. She stayed by my side. You and Kevin Santiago came down and had Bible study with me. Um, you know, when I was starting to come out of my, my, uh, you know, death cocoon. Um, and that really meant something, you know, yeah. and here I hadn't talked to, to you and I hadn't met Kevin and Kevin told me his story, um, his testimony and, and, uh, for you guys to drive down once a week and, and meet with me just meant something, you know, incredible. And, um, you know, and then just, it's amazing how God brings things into your life. You know, I ended up, you know, ha- reconnecting with my kids in a way that I hadn't before. Yes. Um, reconnecting with my parents and sisters in a way I hadn't before, um, with my true friends and, uh, you know, I, well, I love I love what you've done as far as making you you know that statement, Scott Spezio. It's never too late. You know, you've made that truth from from three significant sources for me, right? Which is one, you know, we were all on the bench and we might have been lying to each other, but we're like, hey, it's only the seventh. It's never too late. We still got an outlet, right? Like, I don't know if we were so confident, right? But then you proved it like, hey, maybe it really is never too late, right? Because you hit the home run and got us going. And then, you know, you made it true for Tyler, like your, your one of your sons, like that said, hey, it's never too late, dad. Like, and and yeah. you've, you've shown that to him. And then, of course, I think one of the most powerful, right, is our, our Lord says it's never too late also, right? right? He says, hey, I'm here. And I, and I think you're living that. I think that's that's truly awesome, man. I mean, incredible like it's just incredible man i i think i think we got it like grab there bro like i mean i, I think we gotta i do want to hear like for for we talked about a lot of things and you know I, you know your dad obviously very influential i'm glad we got to at least cover a little bit of it but like as you talk about this um what do you think like uh if you had one thing to tell somebody they 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 want to be great. You know, they want to be elite. They're, they're on the path. They're working hard. Um, and we do, we run into setbacks. Like what would you, what, is there something that you'd like to tell them that we haven't covered today that me, you know, some things they have to consider like, Hey, you know, this isn't, this isn't unforeseen. Like it's going to happen. Right. And I think I, I love that you said, you know, I think one of the things that most people don't recognize, I, I love this when you said that, Hey, that at bat in game six, like I'd had that bat, you know, 2,500 times in my life mentally. Right. Like, and people don't think like, um, I I like to tell people like, yeah, I was a coach. I was like what I call a dream maker because I I helped these guys all live their dreams because, you know, 15 years ago, we were all running around our backyard going bottom of the ninth, two outs with our wiffle ballot, you know, like, and we were putting ourselves in that situation. And now like, you're actually in the middle of it, right? Like you're actually, and you hear people going, hey, how you doing, man? Living the dream. No, these people are actually living the dream, like right happening right now. Right. So tell me about what, what you might tell them. Uh, maybe one, you know, a, a nugget or two that you think uh, a takeaway. Um, 
just just things off the top of my head as far as like how to come back from setbacks. Yes. Or, yep. Or, well, I mean, I I think I covered a, a bunch of of that as far just you know just that never give up attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as far as like trying to get to your dreams, you know, um, the the biggest thing for me was uh, you know I had dreams, so I had to set goals. So yeah. you know. And did I, you write I think, those down? Did you write them down? So I did. So, and I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I know Denzel Washington always says, you know, uh, dreams without goals are just that dreams. And they often lead to heartbreak. Right. Yeah. And, and in order to, to, to achieve those goals, you have to have discipline and consistency. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what I used to do as a kid is every year going in before baseball season, like as soon as baseball season ended, you know, cause we're here and we got winter, you know, uh, I would set goals for the next year. I'd write them on a piece of paper and tape them to my headboard. Right. And so each year I'd have a little thing right above my head on my headboard that had the goals for the following season. So I knew exactly once I had those goals, I knew what I had to do to achieve them. And there was many times I didn't want to go in the basement and hit off balance beam, you know, for my balance yeah. or, yep. or take ground balls off the, the wall to, to increase my, my hands being soft, you know, um, shovel the driveway to throw uh, ground balls off, <laughs> off of the garage door, you know, um, get up when it was 30 degrees outside to hit all those things, you know, um, so set goals is a huge thing. And then another big thing um, is be prepared when your opportunity comes, you yes. know? So my dad, um, you know, he didn't have a major league uh, father teaching him. He had his, right. dad, his dad was an incredible athlete, probably the best out of all of us by far, actually. Um, but, you know, he worked with my dad when my dad, when he got up to the major leagues, he was, you know, there's only 16 teams in the league in 1964. He comes up from Lewis University in 63. In 1964, he's at the World Series playing the Yankees, you know. And <laughs> and the, the Cardinals all-star lineup, you know, Ken Boyer, which was my dad's position, uh, played third, and he was the uh, MVP of the National League. So, yeah. um and then you go around the whole field and it was all stars everywhere, you know, Kurt flood, you know, uh, uh, Lou Brock, you know, Mike Shannon, yeah. Orlando Cepeda, you, you name it. Yeah. And, uh, so what my dad did and my dad was a right-hander. Um, what my dad did is said, you're going to learn every position. Um, so when we go out to the high school or whatever field we could find, it didn't matter. Sometimes it was the parking lot, you know, um, or a cow pasture, uh, I would play every single position. Sometimes my mom would be at second. I'd be flipping her flips from second base or shortstop, you know. So I, I'd go to the outfield and throw from every position, take fly balls. So that way, if my opportunity came, I'd be ready to make a change. Let's say there's an MVP yeah. in front of me and they're not yeah. moving. They just signed them to a, a $50 million contract, you know. Yeah. So uh, he made me switch hitter. And uh, he made me learn every position. And thank God, because I came up as a third baseman. I get to Oakland and, uh, you know, it's two weeks to go in spring training. Art Howe comes, you know, goes, hey, you ever play second base? I said, oh, yeah, I played it all the time. I'd, I'd, 
practiced it all the time. But as far as playing <laughs> never it, actually had any games, but like I practiced it all the time. Yeah. I think I had two games in, in American Legion ball when I was like 15 years old. Right. But I told him. Right. And and so you know what? That that day he said, go play a B game at second. I did well. And he released Brent, Brent Gates, who was our, our starting second baseman. And I became the starting second baseman for, you know, the next two and a half years at, in Oakland. Yeah. Um, but I was ready, you know, I was yeah, ready prepared. Yeah, yeah. And you played every position in the major leagues except one, right? Well, center field and catcher, I think. Okay. You never caught. Okay. All yeah. right. I knew you didn't play center field. I've seen you run. So, um, yeah. you know, I knew that, but, uh, I didn't I know. Got- the. Ca- I, thought, I thought you got in there and threw the gear on one time. So that's pretty, well, I that, got- by the way, folks, that is including he pitched, right? That, that I doesn't he, that's I right. have. I have the best DRA in the history of the game. I pitched That's right. Lowest. Yeah. Yeah, the lowest. Sorry. The lowest uh, ERA in the history of the game was zero. I pitched one inning. I got up to 87, though. And I had. Wow. That's that's, that's, that's some cheddar, man. That's no BP fastball. Yeah. So I got got a quick story about the catcher if we got time. I don't know. Yeah. Let's do a quick one. All right. So, so. Uh, I was in, in Seattle and I'm not playing my second year there. I'd only got 40 at bats or something, just having a horrible year. Yep. This is the start of my, the start of my downhill recline, you know, decline. And uh, so Mike Hargrove goes, Hey, Spees, you know, in order to get you some more bats, Dan Wilson just got hurt. Why don't you go ask him to teach you how to catch? So I go in there and I uh, go, Dan, Hey, Mike wants me, you to teach me how to catch. He goes, okay, squat down. So I squat down. He goes, can you get lower than that? I go, how's that? He goes, okay, that's as far as you can get. He goes, okay, stand up. So I stand up and he goes, now turn around. So I turn around and he goes, now walk out there and tell him you can't catch. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, that's that's impossible feet with your flexibility. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan, for all your help. I appreciate appreciate his recognition that you had no chance. (laughs) all right. Well, listen, uh, let's wrap this. I want to take some Q&A here, but before we do, follow the show on YouTube Live. Many more videos on Leadership at East channel on YouTube and Instagram, Twitter uh, at uh, Trent M. Clark. We are on Instagram at Leadership at East, of course. Uh, my handles are Trent M. Clark and Leadership at East on all of them. Uh, for you, uh, why don't you remind them, Scott, real quick on where they can find you again? Um, so I'm on Facebook. I got a... <laughs> Look, yeah, good. Yeah, check it all out, man. Yeah, I got to go to the well, digits, I've, right? I've Facebook page, Scott Spezio. It's never too late. Um, I'm on Twitter at Scott underscore Spezio. LinkedIn on Scott at Scott Spezio. Uh, Instagram at Spezio S. So those are places you can get me. Yeah. Yeah. Scott's uh, available for hire. He does speaking engagements, corporate events. So yeah, probably reach out. Does it still uh, hitting lessons and stuff like, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Can you imagine someone getting hitting from a two-time world series champion? That's pretty crazy, right? Yeah. So I am going to, I am starting, I I actually already have the, uh, the LLC for Spezio baseball. Um, I have a facility in Morris here and I've been doing uh, private lessons. So um, I'm, there's going to be a Facebook page uh, started called Spezio Baseball soon, and I'll be sending invites for those people around Morris, Illinois. So, nice. uh, yeah. That's beautiful. If you enjoyed today's episode, please continue listening uh, and rate Winners Find a Way. Uh, five stars, please. Uh, we work hard to find 
value delivering stories and and 1% leaders and folks in the world that uh, can deliver on every episode some things for us. And I'm going to end today with Scott, give us, give us your best verse. Give us your best verse that you have. I, I, so I, I brought a book, uh, it's stepping up to, to manhood, which I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah, there you go. Put it in front of you and we can see it. All right. There. Oh, there you go. Sorry. So yep. it, this is what, so I started getting into um, life groups at my church and uh, now I actually lead. Uh, I did not a fan and uh, nice. Great, great book. we're doing letters to the church and also a men's group. It's uh, at, at the village Christian church in Manuka on Tuesday nights, there's a men's group and I have mine on, on Monday nights, but uh, the stepping up uh, call to courageous manhood uh, was just an incredible uh, series for me. Um, That's it, by Dennis it, Rainey, right? Yeah, yeah, it was yes. it was amazing, um, and it just was it was like God put it put the people uh, Charlie Pierce who was leading my rooted group, uh, you know, asked me to join, and I'm thinking, oh, this is another thing, you know, and, and now I I don't I don't ever want to miss it on Tuesday nights, you know, and I'm trying to bring as many people from the area that I know to it, but uh, uh, I have a couple quotes. So one or uh, scriptures, uh, John sixteen thirty three. in the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Love now, it. if that doesn't, take, if that doesn't take um, pressure off, I don't know what, <laughs> what yeah, I, lo- I like that. Right. I feel, I find like pressure to be self-applied. Right. And, um, and so with that, uh, yeah, like, are we applying that pressure on? Because that's not how the world works, right? That's not how, under his tutelage, it works. Uh, I'll drop mine in, and then I'll give you another one to finish up. All right, yeah. Um, my my quote today is James one twenty two, right? I, I always love that. Yeah. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And for right. me, that was very important for you, Scott. I admire about that about you. You, you, we, we grow up listening to the word, and you know, like you say, and being dragged to church, and and we listen to teachers, and but 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 are we deceiving ourselves that we're not getting the information? Are we deceiving ourselves that we think we know when we don't know? When we actually put that and execute that word into it, and I think when I look at you and and your uh, turnaround and how you found a way to win. I just admire the way that you've taken action, right? Like you said, Hey, I will do what it says. And you've done that. And I, and I just, I love that about you, man. I think it's uh, very admirable. So. Well, I, I, I learned that for some great people like yourself, Kevin, Charlie, uh, Nate, Nick, everybody at the church and, and, uh, and my dad, you know, uh, service is a huge part of, of, you know, being a Christian and bringing other people to other people to to have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's that's my goal now. You know, I I love baseball and I love everything, but that's the one thing you can't do in heaven. And that's what uh, that's what Albert Pujols gave me a book in two thousand seven when I was struggling. He gave he said, "What's wrong?" And he gave me a book, and it was the one thing you can't do in heaven, and that's bring people to a personal relationship with Jesus. And and that's what it's all about for me. That's cool. That's awesome. Let's wrap right there. That's a, let's right. go to some, let's go to a quick Q and a here. 
Sure. And thank you for everyone joining us. Uh, if you have any questions, I may be able to get it in if you get it in the chat quickly. But uh, my first question is, is um, what, what, how did you get developed by like other coaches and other leaders? Like what were, what were some of the influencers? I mean, we talked about your dad, but you, you know, you had a lot of them like coaches, Illinois, a bunch of other things. What were some of those big development moments for you that you really gleaned from some of the top coaching that you had? Um, well, I mean, as far as physically, I, Ron Washington, um, was unbelievable at teaching me how to play second base and become mm. a better infielder. Uh, his work ethic was unbelievable. I had two weeks to basically learn second base. I, I had, you know, practiced it, but not at the major league level or any right. level as far as game speed. So we were out there at seven o'clock every every morning. So much so, turning double plays that my hands swell swelled up. Um, you know, and I had to actually take a day off because it was just so swollen from working so hard. But I ended up that year uh, only making seven errors. I was second in total chances and uh, second in double plays turned. And I had missed 15 days with uh, I, I got hit by Hankin in, in my hand. Um, but as far as as far as physical, he was probably the best one. Um, Joe Madden was great, you know, never given like never letting down. I remember his phrase, you know, jug runs. That was, you know, say we're winning two to one going into uh, the the bottom of the eighth or something at home. He'd say, let's get jug runs. You know, let's make sure that we're, we're going for the jugular. Um, and that was huge for us in, in 2002 and 2000. Yeah. yeah, he really um, taught he really taught young players how to win. Right. Like, like you can't let off the gas. Right. Like, and, and there is a way to win. And, you know, a lot of, and when you talk about that O2 team, no playoff experience, like that became very important to teach because you were literally learning how to win on the fly. Right. Like, cause, yeah. you know, it's not like you have people like, Hey, this is the time where we got to absolutely, because I've been here 13 times, right. Yeah. We didn't have anybody. So right. that was, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. That's totally. awesome. Tony LaRusso was great too, because I wasn't playing every day there. I mean, I, I did play quite a bit. I think I had, you know, close to 300 at bats in 2006, which was an incredible year. You know, that was a yeah. year after get, having the injury, not playing in two, you know, in 2005, getting released in August, not thinking I'd, I'd ever play in the major leagues again or get a chance. And, uh, you know, he gave me a chance they gave me number 26. I thought I'd be like 99, you know, as a yeah, minor. Right. Right? <laughs> That's the spring training number, 99 yeah, right there. Right? Right? You're yeah, not making the club when you get 99. Exactly. So I got 26, and I, right then I knew we were going to win it. And I told people that as early as spring training. And uh, But he was really good at explaining to me why he made the moves he did. So I got to kind of yeah. get – inner workings of the decision-making as a manager, which right. is really, really neat. Yeah. I think that's why catchers are so successful, right. Yeah. As, as that leadership role, because they always are tied up with the managers and having those conversations. What of our strategy? I got to quarterback the game. Right. And yeah. uh, that becomes so important. And I appreciate that you brought up that 06 as you, as you beat <laughs> up on my tigers, you know, that year and as our pass cross again, we'll right. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, our pass cross again, when um, I'm sitting in the stands, right. Cause I had tickets to the world series in 06. I was out of baseball at the time. 
And, um, and I had bought tickets for my father, who was a longtime Tiger fan. So I had taken my dad and a great memory for my dad and I to be at the, even the playoff run. The Tigers had a great run that year and they just ran up against a buzzsaw with you guys, but it was a fabulous year for Detroit. It was a, it was a really nice time of a, of a reawakening for a city too, who, who needed that, you know, a championship run needed that unity around the city and, it was, uh, and it's, it's amazing what sports does in that way, right? It just drives Absolutely. us into that. So let's talk about, um, uh, well, let's, let's talk about learning from mistakes. That's the next question I have. Oh, you yeah. know, how, how do you learn from your mistakes? Like I always hear people go, oh, you know, man, I made a mistake. It's so bad. And I'm like, oh no, I love it. Like, like cause yeah. I don't, I, I remember when you know, like, I was a pretty competitive tennis player too. Right. So you know, when I beat people, I was like, hey, on to the next match. When I lost, man, it was two weeks of working out, watching the video, going back to all the clips. Like, I didn't want to make those mistakes ever again, right? So all the learnings all of a sudden turned into all the mistakes. So tell me about, like, what, what you can give people because mistakes are part of the deal, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean, in baseball, you know, if you're a great hitter, you're failing 70% of the time. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's so, worth 10 million now. Yeah, so right? yeah, you can hit two hundred now. You know, strike out yeah. fewer times if you hit forty home runs. I was yeah. on that. You know, but uh, you, know, you know, overcoming failure um, is huge. But learning from your mistakes is is huge too. You know, I, you know, when you see these billionaires, a lot of them have failed multiple, multiple times, went bankrupt. Yes. You yes. know, and in any part of life. Um, learning from failure, the, me going through what I went through, I've learned so much more, em, you know, empathy, more empathy, more love. Um, you know, I wouldn't be the person today if I didn't fail um, in miserably in, in a lot of ways, especially, mm-hmm. you know, with addiction and, and, uh, and as a father, um, you know, so now I've, I've learned from from those mistakes and I'm doing everything I can to correct those mistakes. When you're at the bottom, you you see what's important in your priorities. Yeah. And as far as, you know, baseball, there's many times, you know, uh, you know, where I, you know, I might get struck at strike out, strike out on a backdoor slider or something. And so the next time up, I make the adjustment. You know, I learn from what pitches are doing to me. And the next time up, hey, you try doing that again. I'm hitting the ball down the down the left field line. Um, you know, little things like that. You know, you you just you always put them in the back of your mind, and then you process them after the game. You don't really want to over, you know, replay uh, failures during the game or mistakes. But after the game is the time. That's why the mental game is so important. You go through. You can visualize that. Go back, erase it, and replay it the way you want to, you know. And uh, that's what I did. You know, I'd have clear keys during the game where I'd wipe my bat off or, or wipe the ground, and that would get rid of all negative thoughts for any mistake I made, whether it be an error or, or swinging at a bad pitch. And I'd go right back into my focus. But then after the game on the drive home and when I was sitting, I'd go through those mistakes, you know, learn from them, and replay them the way I wanted to. And then I'd reinforce with, with successful uh, times, you know, successful at bat, successful plays. I'd replay those over and over with many, many highlight reel for myself um, in order to reinforce those, those positive, uh, you know, outcomes. 
Yeah, I think that's where people don't recognize that value. Of, I tell a lot of people like, hey, at the major leagues, like everyone knows what they do really well. And they're like, I'm going to keep doing this until you can stop me. Right. Yeah. Like I'm very confident that I'm better than you at this. Right. And and there and there's value in that and that reinforcement of so much positive, because in a game, like you said, that does have a lot of negative. Right. We better know what you know, who we are. There is a lot of self-awareness and poise that is required at that top level. And I love that. Um, I love that mistakes. Right. That. So. So we we learn what they are. Right. And then we study how to adapt and then we execute, you know, the adaptability required to, to turn that into another direction. Right. And sometimes that's trial and error. Right. We have to try like, hey, I'm going to do that backdoor slider. I'm going to move up two inches on the plate because I'm, I'm fearful of it. And then and then he saws your bat off and you go, oh, that didn't work out great. I can't go that far because I can't catch up. Right. So I, I can only move in one inch. And I can still get to it and I can still get to that inside pitch. Right. And so we have those things that we have to adapt to. And, and it's a trial and error process. And I think it's uh, and I and I love the fact that you mentioned there are so many successful people in this world. We think like, uh, you know, Lincoln, right. Your home state, yeah. you know, Abraham Lincoln, like the guy, he's an epitome of failure right along the way. Right. And if, if people just look at the fact like the trials and tribulations that he faced um, yet, everyone knows him as, as a great man and as a great leader and all the things he contributed later. Um, but well, there was, there was error along the way. It was challenged along the way. So we, you know, none, none of us are uh, uh, immune to that. Right. Yeah. You know, the, that remind you, you got me thinking about the Yankees with that backdoor slider uh, or, or cutter like Mariano. And I yeah. have a problem with them, but you know, in game one, uh, looking back, and, and, I, and I always say this, you know, if you make a mistake, as long as you still have an, an out, a strike, you always have a chance to rewrite history, right? Yeah. I would say if you, if you still got a pen, you can write the ending however you want it. That's you right. can make a great ending. And I, yeah. I use it. So when we played the Yankees in game one, um, I made a play on G, a Jason Giambi ball that I usually make. Uh, a line drive, it hit off top of my glove, went into right field. They ended up uh, hitting a home run after that. Soriano hit a home run, and uh, we ended up losing the game. Now, they didn't give me an error, and it it wasn't, but usually I make that play. When I got back to the hotel, I had a, do, not, do not disturb on my phone and an alias, <laughs> but somehow they got my number, and I picked up the, the phone and listened to the messages and it was this guy just ranting and raving about how horrible I was and how we're yes. going to lose now. And yeah. You got no chance against these guys. You blew it. And I just sat down and I'm like, man, he's right. You know? And then I said, you know what? He's not right. We still got, we still got a game tomorrow. So my whole thing was if you still got a pen. And, and so I went up, my first at bat was off Pettit and I hit a home run and I used that throughout my life, you know, and, it, with my addiction, you know, I could have, I could have had a horrible ending, you know, I could yeah. have been a tragic ending, sure. but I kept saying, I still got a pen, you know, I, I still can write this. And I tell a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to write a book and now, you know, but I said, I'm waiting for the happy ending. So instead of waiting for it, I started, I started doing it, you know, and yeah. uh, we're still writing. So yeah, we're still writing. We're it's still a writing. much better ending than it could have been. Yeah. 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 This is the journey, right? 
Well, I'm so glad, you know, that you could join us today. Scott Spezio, famous two-time World Series champion. Uh, man, it's exciting. Good friend of mine. And so I'm, I'm excited that we got to share this time together, Scott, for, for everyone out there. Thank you for joining us today. Appreciate your good questions. If I didn't get your question, I apologize. Um, a lot of good stories from Scott, uh, a lot of good information that we take away from that, right? And and I'll just tell you, you know, I think uh, Scott Spezio, it's never too late, right? You have to. Uh, if there's one thing I learned today, like, uh, hey, you got to keep pressing, you got to keep moving. You know, we there, there's failures in this lifetime um, and and we win or, or we learn. Right. And some of those mistakes, we're going to come back and we're going to learn and we're going to get better and get back up and do it again. And uh, it's just it's never too late. There's there's still that pen, man. Rewrite that yeah. ending. So, so thankful. Scott, thank you. So, so blessed to have you with us today, my man. Oh, it was, it was such a pleasure, man. Love you, brother, and uh, looking forward to getting together soon, man. Thanks for yeah. so much for having me on. It was a great discussion. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for joining us for another Winners Find a Way show. I am your host, Trent Clark. If you love this episode, share this episode with your friends and follow us on whatever podcasting medium you're listening to. If you want more content from us, join us at leadershipity.com or the Leadershipity YouTube channel. You can find us on all the social media networks at either Trent M. Clark or Leadershipity. For our award-winning workshop, Win With Great Teams, you can find that page on LinkedIn as well as our corporate page, Leadershipity. If you want to win more, it starts with you today. Say it with me now. I have what it takes.